Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today on the show, we have Amber Paul, also known on Instagram as Watch Me Travel Hack. She used to be Watch Me Airbnb, so some of you may have discovered her then, but she has transitioned into travel hacking, credit card points, and the reason I really wanted to have her on today was to talk about that specifically, but I think that she's the perfect guest to talk about travel hacking and credit card points because she also owns an Airbnb and whenever they travel, they rent out their house on Airbnb. And I don't think we've had a guest on before who rents out their primary residence while they're traveling. So I thought she'd have a really unique perspective. So Amber, welcome. Can you share a bit about your background and your story? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. I was just telling Natalie that I've been following along for quite some time now. So well, same. to be here. But yes, to introduce myself, uh, my name is Amber Paul. I live in Texas. We, it's kind of a funny situation. So Natalie mentioned that we Airbnb our own home and I'll talk about that in, in just a, a minute, but we actually started Airbnb because we were interested in purchasing a short-term rental of our own, you know, an actual freestanding home, just like many of you have. And someone told us that the best way to figure out if you can handle managing a short-term rental is to practice on your own home. So we thought that is the weirdest thing we've ever heard in our lives. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Um, So that is how we got started with all of that. But a little bit about myself. As I mentioned, I live in Texas. I have three kids. I used to teach ninth grade, and then I was a middle school administrator. And as some of you, I'm sure... If you, if any of you have decided to stay home with kids for a few years, I mentally needed a little bit of something else. And so that's why I started talking on Instagram, both about teaching people how to Airbnb their own home and also about travel hacking. Travel hacking is something that we've done for about 10 years and really just living away from family. It's allowed us to visit family as much as we prefer and also go on, on trips with really spending okay anything for for the newbies out there who are just homebodies and don't travel what is travel hacking (laughs) i love that you asked that travel hacking is responsibly leveraging credit card welcome offers to get sign up bonuses and then take that and turn around and do free travel Okay. Did so, you guys hear that she said it's responsibly <laughs> leveraging? Responsibly. Okay. If you are yes, not a credit card person. things that you need to know before you just willy-nilly open up. Please, if you are not a credit card person, like turn off this episode and do not listen. I do not <laughs> want you racking up 29% interest debt to attempt this strategy. But yeah. for those of yeah. us who pay off our credit card every month and this right. isn't an issue, right. what what does this mean? How are you like shopping? How many credit cards do you have? Actually, can I ask? Yeah. Um, we're probably, so there are two of us. I'm married. <laughs> there are, we probably have like 12 to 15. Currently, we did just close a few. Oh, that's actually not bad. I've seen travel hackers that have like 40. Yeah. And that's because we are mild travel hackers. Granted, Mm -hmm. I have stayed outside of my home over 70 days this year and have hardly paid for any of them. But you don't have to be crazy to be a travel hacker. You can do it responsibly. You can do it calmly. You can do it at your own pace. You don't have to have a million credit cards. And you can. You definitely can. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. everyone at their own pace, right? Okay, so I'll tell you my like my personal threshold, the amount that I think I could handle would be like five credit cards max. Like if I got more than that, I would feel like even if I have them on auto pay, something's going to slip between the cracks. Like I'm going to forget something. And literally, it doesn't matter how many months you've paid it off 
responsibly and on time. It just takes one month of missing it oh, to get yeah. so much debt racked up Absolutely. and 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 sh- you know throw your credit score in the shitter. So how do you yeah. like keep track of that many? Do you have like spreadsheets you're going through, or you just have them all on auto pay and that's it? We do have them on auto pay. However, the game changer is so so how I work with credit card with travel hacking is I work with an affiliate company that gives me all of the links to credit cards, um, which allows me to get like a small kickback. And they have developed an amazing app. Amazing. I wish I could shout them out, shout them out and drop your affiliate link, please. Yeah, I would love to, but it's called travel freely. And the app allows me every time I open up a credit card, I just pull up the app. I put in, I select from a dropdown menu, the card that I chose, what the date is, and literally they just make me a to-do list. And so say 11 months from now, it'll send me a notification that says, you have an annual fee coming up in 30 days. And then that just alerts me, do I need to cancel this card or do I want to prepare mentally to pay that, that annual fee? So it organizes everything for me so perfectly and it keeps it all. It, it recommends when it's time for me to open a next card. It recommends what next cards I might want to open. So it's been really valuable for me to keep everything organized. And my favorite thing about it is that I don't have to put in my credit card numbers. I think lots of us, especially with data links and maybe not using as great of passwords as we should all be using, we're just a little concerned about sharing our our financial information, which makes sense. So I love that I don't have to put in any credit card information, meaning a number. So it's just tracking like when you open the card, like the dates of that, when the um, annual fee is due, anything like that. It'll even remind me, you need, or it'll ask me, it'll say, have you met your sign up bonus? So have you met the minimum spend so that these points Mm -hmm. will be given to you? It'll say, you have 30 days left to meet the minimum spend. And then you go in and put a check mark and then it drops off of your to-do list. So it really keeps it all organized for us. Okay, so here's what I want to know. Like for the people out there who are anti-credit card and feel like they spend more responsibly with debit or cash or something, do you feel like I know that you earn a lot of rewards, but like to play devil's advocate, do you feel like you spend more by having credit cards? Like if you see, oh, I have to meet that two thousand dollar spending bonus by the end of March, like we're just gonna spend two thousand dollars on something, even if we didn't really need it. Like yeah. do you ever feel like at the end of the year or something you're like, we could have just traveled for cheaper than the amount we actually racked up here? Yeah, absolutely not. Because this is how we do it. So in our in our beach house, um, we had a shower that like started cracking and we needed to replace the whole thing. And we got a quote and it was three thousand dollars. So that day we applied for a credit card. We called Chase Bank and said, will you expedite this for us? Which they'll do at no fee. Oh, And then a day or two later, it came. And at that point, we had already told the plumber to, you know, go ahead and start the process. And so by the time the invoice was ready, we had that new credit card, which we could then utilize to spend on. And between that and utilities and, and other updates that we have needed to make, no, absolutely not. And that's just how we've worked. We have... Since we've been married the last 10 years, we've never used a debit card. We have just always consistently used credit cards that give really great reward points back. And mm-hmm. but but it's gotta be more than that, right? Because I'm sure so many of us just get a typical credit card re- with a good reward, but that will really only get you a flight or two a year, realistically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the key really is opening up credit cards. Uh, we we recommend to wait at least 90 days between opening up cards to protect okay. that credit score a little bit, but but that's the key. And then if you, we call it a player too. So whether you're married or you have a travel buddy, whatever the case might be. So I'll open up a card and then my husband will open up the next card and then I'll open up a card oh. and my husband will open up the next card and we will not put each other as authorized users. Mm, okay. So that 90 day rule, does that apply like Amber will not open a second card within 90 days? Or is that like Amber nine, 90 days later, her husband 90 days later, Amber again? It depends. So as you were talking about, if we feel like we need to spend more money in order to meet a minimum spend, we should absolutely not open up another credit card. That makes no sense. But if we hit our minimum spend and say it hasn't even been the whole three months, then if we then are like, oh goodness, we 
<laughs> I mean, groceries cost a lot, guys, right? I know. So, you can reach that minimum spend on groceries alone. <laughs> yeah. And so we can hit a typical minimum spend without even needing to buy a big purchase, to be totally honest with you. But if we do finish a minimum spend and the 90 days still hasn't hit, then we would rotate over and have my husband open one. Mm, okay. Okay. Got but it. Key, I just want to mention, and this is something that is is unique to travel hacking, and it's a rule that kind of is official, kind of isn't, but not many people know about it, is that you as an individual are only allowed to open five personal cards within 24 months. Oh. So again, okay. one person can open up five credit cards within 24 months if they're personal cards. So that's going to equal your travel cards, that's going to equal like a Home Depot card that they sell you on when you're checking out to save $10. I don't know. So <laughs> all of those count. And so also it counts if you're an authorized user. So if my husband were to open up a card and add me as an authorized user, well, that's one of my five slots. Okay. So that's why we no longer add each other as authorized users. And instead we just use Apple Pay or... I mean, let's be honest, I spend most of the money in our house. So I'll just take the card, even though it says his name on it or whatever the case might be. And is there an issue like with paying those credit cards off? Do you guys have like a joint account that you pay it from? Like, are you still joint with your finances on the back end, even though front facing you guys are opening cards separately? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It'll all be drawn from the same, the same pool of money. So I've heard that closing credit cards hurts your credit score, but do you, if you close like one of those five in the 24 months, does that negative count against you or they don't care about that? It's just, you can only open up to five in 24 months. Great question. So the most important thing, and honestly, if you just leave this podcast today thinking I should open up credit cards, then this is the thing that you also have to remember. <laughs> do not close your longest line of credit. So okay. again, that credit card that you've had since the day you turned 19 when you moved out for college, you need to keep that card open forever. So whether it's, I don't know, my friend told me the other day she had one for like Express. the clothing. <laughs> so that credit card hopefully doesn't have an annual fee on it and you need to keep that card open forever. You don't need to spend anything on it. You can keep it in your nightstand and never look at it again. But that just needs to be open forever because that's your longest line of credit. So I would say that that's the most important thing. Now, as for opening and closing cards, anytime you open and close a card, your credit will take a small hit. Mine typically drop, drops five to nine points. But then within probably about a month worth of time, it'll shoot back up. And honestly, it typically gains as well. So my okay. credit score, I just pulled a report. I think it dropped. I've opened up, I think I was looking within a 60-day period. Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure. Anyways, whatever the period was, I had opened up two credit cards during that time. So I think it was a six-month period. And it had it showed me that it dropped and then it increased back and it, you know, it even picked up some speed. So it was like 8:15 the day I pulled it. So that's an extra. Okay. Okay. What is your thought on, you mentioned like the express credit card or the Home Depot one. What is your thought on opening those credit cards? Like when you're checking out like store credit cards, do you ever do those? Or are you very like intentional? Like it's this chase credit card that has this, like spend 6,000 in three months and get the sign on bonus. Yeah. To me, a Home Depot credit card, which we all know and love Home Depot or, you know, whatever company it might be, it would never give me the same rewards. So it might save me $200 off of a washer dryer at the moment. But if I were to open up, say, a Chase business card, it would give me $1,000 in free travel. But then there's, so this is where we get a little bit deeper. And this is why I would definitely say to come join me at Watch Me Travel Hack, especially my stories where I explain things. Because right off the bat, the outsider, when you apply for a card, you would think, oh, I'm going to get $1,000 in free travel, which is excellent. But if you utilize that in the portal, it's worth over 1200 But if you transfer those to travel partners, so what I mean is taking the, the points out of the Chase travel portal and sending them over to Southwest or Hyatt, then you can typically get way more than the $1,200 you would get by spending in the portal. Wait, okay. What is the travel porter portal? Can you back up here? <laughs> yeah, totally. 
So lots of the big banks, so Chase, Capital One, some of the other banks, they have what's called a travel portal. So if you log on, so say you have a card, you just log on to your Chase account and you're looking at, say, your ultimate rewards category. You could click into that and you can book a hotel through Chase Bank. Oh, directly through your Chase portal. Okay. Directly through that Chase portal. So you could book a hotel, you could book a flight, that sort of thing, which you can typically use points for and get a little bit more than those points are worth at face value. Like if you were to cash them out or get gift cards is what I mean. But if you take those points and you do one extra step, which I definitely have a lot of posts that show you, it's hard to explain how to click here and do this on a podcast, right? But some of my posts will show you click here, do this. So if you take them and you transfer the points to a travel partner, such as Hyatt, then you can book like a luxurious hotel for say 20,000 points a night. But if you were to look it up in cash value or even through the portal, it would cost you significantly more than what 20,000 points are worth. Mm, okay. Okay. And then all of them. So like Chase, B of A, Wells Fargo, like they'll all have a portal like that where you can transfer the points out of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this can apply. You can transfer those to hotels, flights. What else? Yeah. So different banks have different travel partners. So Chase travel partners include United, Hyatt, Southwest, Marriott, IHG. Those are the most common ones. There's also less common like British Airway. I shouldn't say less common, but maybe less common to your typical American, right? Not your like screaming American companies. So yes, each bank will have travel partners. And you can transfer the points to those travel partners. And they're all different. So, again, going back to the responsibly opening credit cards, (laughs) you kind of want to know, oh, I live in an area where we don't have Southwest. So I wouldn't want to open up a Southwest card because that wouldn't wouldn't really work for me, right? Okay. Um, So that's why opening up those flexible credit cards such as Chase that that transfers to multiple travel partners will really be the biggest thing for your buck. Okay, got it. And then you can, if you live by like a Delta hub, transfer them to Delta from that point or something that's more convenient for you. Right. And I won't get into what Delta, like (laughs) what the partnership with Delta is because it's not Chase, but whatever your travel partners are for whatever card you have, you would definitely transfer over to Delta or whatever the case might be. Okay. And you can just Google that. Like say you do live by a Delta hub, you can just look up like which bank has a travel partnership with Delta. And if it's Wells Fargo, you go with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my other question is like when you, okay, like Chase keeps coming to mind because I get their stuff in the mail literally once a week, like get $900 back if you spend this much in the next three months or something. So they come to mind for me. So I'm going to keep using them. But Chase seems to have really, really good sign on bonuses. But if you like open a card with them and then you close it, can you open one again and take advantage of that? Or do they keep track of you in the system? Like, uh uh-uh, she's already done this before. (laughs) Yes, yes and no. I mean, yes to all the things. They do keep track. However, some of them in their language, when you apply for a card, it tells you how often you can, you can receive that sign up bonus. So Southwest, mm-hmm. you can get the sign up bonus every two years. So my husband and I go back and forth with Southwest cards at least every two years. Another bank or another card, since we're talking about Chase, and I should say the Southwest card is a Chase bank, Southwest card. That's what okay. I mentioned that. The Chase Sapphire Preferred which is probably one of the most common travel credit cards, you can receive a sign-up bonus every four years. So this would be a situation where you might get it. And then a year or so later, you might refer your spouse to it. And one of you might keep the card, but the other one of you might cancel it. Okay. If you choose to not pay an annual fee and renew a card, but you still had some existing rewards there, do they just go away after you don't pay it? Potentially. It depends on the card. So if you have a co-branded card, so a Southwest card, a Marriott card, that sort of thing, they typically automatically are housed in the Marriott website, right? Or in the Southwest Mm. website. So if you don't have the card anymore, it's fine because those points belong to Southwest. Now, if you open, say, a a Chase card, meaning like a Chase Sapphire preferred, and you have those points in your Ultimate Rewards portal, 
then those points would, you would not have access to them. However, you could simply, before you close the card, instead of like, oh my gosh, we got to go on a trip right now. You could just say, realistically, at some point in my life, excuse me, at some point in my life, I'm going to fly Southwest. So I'll just transfer the points over to Southwest and they can just hang out there until you're ready to spend them. Okay, got it. So you don't have annual fees open on like 10 different cards at a time. Like you're just racking up from the sign up bonus and then you can transfer it out to the travel partner or wherever you think you're going to spend. Okay, so how do you keep track of that? You mentioned the app Travel Freely will keep track of the credit cards, but now you probably have points hiding out in like 10 different airlines, like your United dashboard, your American dashboard, your Southwest dashboard, Hyatt, Marriott. Like how do you track all of those? That's a good question. So I continue to use the Travel Freely app. That shows me all the annual fees that I have due. So that's that part of the question. As for the other, I keep my cards or my points in those flexible bank, those flexible banks until I need them. So the other night, we have this Christmas tradition where we go to a hotel, just a local hotel downtown, and we just go look at lights. And so I just looked up some local hotels and I found one for like 19,000 points. And so instead of immediately when I get points, just transferring them to Hyatt all the time, I just went into Chase, into my portal, and I transferred 19,000 points over into Hyatt. So if I were to pull up Hyatt right now, I would have zero points because I've spent them all. So really, Mm. I just need to keep track of those larger banks. And then, I mean, it does get a little bit complicated. And yes, I do have a little (laughs) bit of a spreadsheet. But yeah, so I think that is something I could definitely improve on is I should make one to share. Make one. Yes, yes. Um, But yeah, I do have a spreadsheet where I just keep track of about the rough amount of points I have for each and login information and all of that. I feel like I would get like really hyped on doing this and then I would be like, okay, great. I opened all of these. I got all these sign-on bonuses and now I don't know where where to access any of my stuff or where it all went, like what happened to all those points. Yeah, you should make a a freebie like that. Make a resource like that. I will. That would be awesome. I guess I wanted to elaborate further on the expedited shipping. So you said that like when you had the shower repair, it was $3,000. You immediately called Chase to issue you a credit card like that day. So I didn't know you could do that with the expedited shipping. That is really cool. What about like some contractors will not take credit cards? What do you do in those cases? Are you like, I only work with people who take credit and that is, that's like our family's rule. (laughs) (laughs) I want it to be. So uh, a couple of things, and and this jogged my memory of one thing. So first of all, we applied for a card online and business cards, business cards are seriously the secret sauce to travel hacking. And so many of you who own Airbnbs are so fortunate because you're in a situation where you have a legitimate LLC, right? So many of us have set up LLCs to protect ourselves. So, you know, whatever unfortunate event. So we went on Chase Bank and there's actually another step to that as well that I'll go back to in just a second. But we applied for a business card And I do want to mention, Natalie, you just mentioned how you get mailers all the time, especially from Chase. Mm -hmm. Did you guys know that all of those mailers and then other links that you just can Google, say on Chase or wherever, those bonus offers can all be different. Did you know that they're, you know, just how you might look for a promo code when you're doing shopping and get a certain percentage off and there's lots out there. So credit cards are the same thing. So that's something that I love about that I work with is they make us, they force us. No, I'm just kidding. They give us the best possible offer through our links, even if we don't get any credit at all or any kickback, because that's the thing, right? We want to share that you can travel and you can do it affordably by yourself or with your family by leveraging, you know, sign up offers. And if you're getting a sign up bonus that is not it could be just because you filled out the thing that came in your mailbox, then, oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so this is love... also through that app. Travel Freely will populate for you, right? Is it the same app or it's yeah. a different one? Yeah. So, yeah. So the links that I always share on my Instagram, on my Instagram, always the most, like the most elevated offers that are possible, I'll say. So that's something that I really appreciate. So again, even if I don't get a kickback, 
it's always the absolute best. So you don't have to Google, you don't have to compare and contrast. You just know that any that you, you don't have to keep all of the mailers that I get and wait yeah, for like yeah. the prime time offer exactly. and then jump at it. Okay. Okay. That exactly. is very good to know. Yeah. Um so yeah, okay. So wait, can you talk about are you able to like be picky with people that they only accept credit cards or a certain contractor is just like, no, I need cash. I, I need know. a check. I know. And it's hard because sometimes they'll say, okay, we'll take it. But we're going to charge you a 3% convenience fee. And then you just have to, you just have to weigh for yourself. Is it worth it for me to pay 3% on this $300 fix? Or am I going to look at the bonus that I'm going to be getting a thousand dollars in free travel if I can meet this minimum spend? So mm-hmm. It really depends. Mm-hmm. Now there are some credit cards, not through Chase Bank, but that will hook up to PayPal. So if they accepted PayPal, that so that might be a little workaround. But yeah, sometimes about- it just doesn't work, and you can only I know. Use them, right? I know. What or- about bills? I try to pay most of my bills on credit cards just to get points, like in the background. I don't do any credit card hacking. I have like my one credit card, and my husband has one, and that's it. And we try to link whatever we can on a credit card. But some bills they just won't let you, like utilities especially. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way to like call them and and like you negotiate with them or you just have to let those ones go? I know typically mortgages and things like that. Yeah. You just have to let them go. But our utilities, we all pay online. Yeah. There are some things that that just don't work. However, going back to the contractor, you could ask them and this is okay. If, (laughs) if we're starting out at this, we don't have to be super deep in, right? We can just take baby steps and make it work when it works for us. And then the next year we can try open one additional card and one additional card and, and balance it that way. However, if your contractor will accept Visa gift cards as form of payment, there are some gift, there are some chase business cards that will give you five times back on, on gift cards that you. So there so are you can buy the gift card with a credit card and then you get five times the rewards on that. Yeah, at stores like Staples, Office Depot, Office Max. One Ooh. of those exists and one of them doesn't, I think. I'm not sure which one, but you get the Okay, drink. okay. I like that. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying I do that because sometimes a person just, I mean, I understand that some contract employees might yeah. take credit cards and sometimes that's just how it is. Gotcha. Okay. So can we spend a little time on this like business versus personal? Because I know you emphasized earlier that you can only open five personal credit cards in a 24 hour period. But once you have your own business, which I think most of the listeners here do, Mm -hmm. that opens up a whole new world for you. So like how many credit cards can you open in your business? Give us give us the strategies on this. Yeah, absolutely. So how many can you open with your business? Well, the answer is unlimited. I mean, typically you could, you'd probably just open one card per LLC, meaning like I could open up a Chase business cash for my LLC. For the same LLC, I could also open up a Chase business cash preferred. And then I could also open up a Chase business cash unlimited, but I probably shouldn't open up like multiple Chase business caches. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So, you can, so every business card that exists out there, you can open up for your business, but maybe not duplicates of the same card. Okay. So yes. within one LLC. Within one LLC. Okay. However, did you know that you don't have to have an LLC to open up a business card? Because oh, you really? So just taking myself, for instance, I could open up a business card for my actual LLC, Airbnb. I could also open up a business card for my Instagram business if I wanted to, which I have been too lazy to open up an LLC, but I should. I also Airbnb my personal home. So that's a little side business that I have. So I could open up a business card for that. I also do not have an LLC. I also on occasion sell things on Facebook Marketplace, which seems very basic, but technically that could be a business of my own. So Whether you're a, so think of whatever side gigs you have going on. Do you take pictures for money? Do you pet sit? These are all things that could potentially qualify you for opening up a business card. Does your bookkeeper, do you have a bookkeeper? Do they? It's you. Okay. (laughs) Does your bookkeeper absolutely just despise you? (laughs) Okay. Because here's what I picture. So like, say, yes, you open, you open the credit card for the Facebook marketplace side hustle you've got going on. Are you making enough in sales 
I mean, I sell stuff occasionally on like OfferUp and I make, I don't know, 300 bucks a year. If I were to open like a card with a sign up bonus in that LLC or side hustle and, you know, have to pay like $6,000, I would be paying it in order to pay it off. I'd have to pay that out of like a different pool right. of funds. Mm -hmm. Are is like, how do you manage like everything just being so like intermingled? Does your CPA no, just like, hate you? <laughs> yeah, probably. No, it's a great question. Our Airbnb, our beach house that we have the LLC for, everything is super perfect by the book clean, right? We, we do keep all of that totally separate from anything else. So there are no personal expenses on that card whatsoever. And it just keeps it all clean so that when it does come time for taxes, we're able to look at, you know, what can we take a loss for and that sort of thing. As for Airbnb and our personal home, well, technically anything that I update in my personal home is a write-off. Yes. If I'm buying a new couch, if I'm, you know, painting, whatever the case might be. So so from from that aspect, I can look at all of that. Now, whether I whether I decide if I'm actually going to that in my taxes and counterbalance the the money that I make is another question, but it's something that I could do. So, and this is something that you'll need to make a call for yourself on. What lo lots of travel hackers explain is that it is not against the law to put personal expenses on a business card. It's not against the law. It's not something that you would ever write off at the end of the year, but it's not, okay. it's not, it's not against the law. However, credit card companies will say, do you intend to use this for business purchases only? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can still technically charge it, but you'll just have to be diligent at the end and like categorizing those expenses. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Do you happen to have any insight on, I know that you mostly do travel hacking and the travel rewards, credit cards. Do you have any insight on like cash rewards or other types? I'm just, I'm in my homebody era. I don't like to leave my house ever. <laughs> and so this like, you know, good for you, but I like would not open credit cards for miles. It's just not my jam right now. Yeah. Like how does somebody in my situation still take advantage of points? Totally. There are definitely business cards that are great cashback cards, as well as personal cards that are great cashback cards. So every month on my Watch Me Travel Hack, in my highlight bubble, I've got a little best offers, and it shows you what the best offers are right now. Now, I could definitely go through those cashback cards, but I wouldn't just choose a cashback card based on when you listen to this podcast, because it might be an awesome option today, but a week from now, it might not be, because those op those offers are always increasing and decreasing. So right now there is a Chase Business Inc. card that has 90,000 um, bonus points and they are cash. It's, it's a cash back card that you could also transfer to the portal if you wanted to. Okay. Have another card, but it is, it is legitimately a cash back card. So you can absolutely do the same thing and get cash back. Another thing you can do, and this is something I rarely talk about on Instagram because obviously I'm just, I need to be in my stay home era, but <laughs> I like to put myself in misery traveling with kids. Instead. <laughs> but yeah, so you of course can get cash back like onto your statement with lots of the travel cards or even cash them out for gift cards as well. What is a point? You get 90,000 points. What does that translate to in dollars? 900. 900. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, oh, I did get a mailer for that one. I did get the mailer for that one. <laughs> do, you, do you know how much you have to spend to reach that one? Yes, it's six thousand dollars. In is it three, three months? months. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll I'll hit that for sure. Okay. Right? I should open that one. <laughs> okay. And then if I were to go on a trip or something, I actually do have a couple conferences next year that I haven't booked flights yet for. I could still with ninety thousand points transfer those into like United or whatever I'm gonna fly. So that one's a little bit tricky. I don't know how many of the details you want, but I want all of, the details. <laughs> perfect. I'll give them to you. So two of the cashback chase business ink cards are cash back. But if you want to use them as points, you have to transfer them to a card that gives you access to chase ultimate rewards, which would be either the chase Sapphire preferred or the chase ink business preferred. However, if you want to just start earning cash back and just let it sit there and hang out and then eventually you realize that I don't want to cash this out for cash back, I actually do it for points, you could just open up one of those cards, even if it's later, and then you could just transfer them straight over to that. 
Wait, so you can't redeem the points from that actual card itself? You have to move them into a different Chase credit card? Those two cards that I'm talking about are cat cards. So you can't, with those two cards, you can't get the actual points. They come through cashback. But a workaround to oh, getting okay. them to, to be transferred through as points is those cash, the cash basically to another card which will be the Chase Sapphire Preferred or the Chase Inc. Business Preferred, which gives you access to the Chase Ultimate Rewards Travel Portal. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a lot. It's and a lot. We, can, we can follow you and your highlights to get a breakdown <laughs> of this. Yes. And I do okay. something every Wednesday where I just go through and I just have a little question bubble and I'll say, where do you want to travel hack to? And then every Wednesday, I'll show you two cards that you can open to make it happen. So last week, we two cards that you could open to get you a flight to New Zealand and hotels in New Zealand. And then every week, I just take, you know, recommendations and I show you how you can go to New York on two credit card welcome offers or London or whatever the case might be. Wait, but I break so it down cool. a lot. You don't always have to know all of this deep, deep specifics, some of which we've talked about here. Sometimes you just need to know, open up this card, wait nights, open up this card, book this, book this flight. And it works. All right, hosts, can we keep it real for a sec? Are you absolutely fed up with constant changes from third-party booking platforms switching up your listing ranking randomly? Well, I've got a secret weapon for boosting your bookings and increasing guest loyalty. Introducing StayFi, your ultimate tool for gathering guest information, guest marketing, and fostering brand loyalty. How does it work? Have you ever visited a coffee shop where you enter your email in order to get on the Wi-Fi? StayFi operates the exact same way. Every single guest, not just the one who made the booking, has to provide their information when connecting, so you can start building your email list to stay in touch with every guest you've ever hosted. StayFi provides you with advanced email and text marketing tools to communicate with that growing contact list. As you cultivate your thriving list of subscribers, one quick email or automated series can turn into dozens of bookings where you are not relying on your OTA's algorithm. Impressive, right? So use code NOVACANCY for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. It's not just about attracting new guests, it's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong customers. Don't wait any longer to start building that contact list and use code NOVACANCY today to kickstart your guest loyalty program with StayFi. To lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com slash NOVACANCY and watch your bookings soar. Are you also doing any sort of travel hacking? I don't know if this is would be considered travel hacking, but like, you know, like if you fly like a certain airline all of the time, like you get loyalty points with them or something, or even hotels if you're like a Hilton member. But I wonder in this case, since you're bouncing around from card to card, is it hard to keep loyalty at certain airlines or hotel chains? So we have some Marriott loyalty and lots of travel hackers really rack up on Hyatt loyalty. Here's the thing. I don't spend very much money on actual hotel rooms. I use points for hotel rooms and I use points for flights. So I would not be one that's upgraded to first class because I might take 20 plus flights in a year with my family, but we're not paying for any of those flights. Besides okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But there is something that I am super loyal to and super passionate about. And if anyone here has at least one person they travel with, the Southwest Companion Pass is for sure the easiest travel hack. And I'd say the most valuable travel hack for families or couples or whatever. So how it works, if you want me to go into detail, I don't know. Yes, yes. Okay, the Southwest Companion Pass is seriously the best. So I, just to break it down for you, you can earn the Southwest Companion Pass, which basically means that anywhere I fly, one person in my family flies with me for the remainder of the calendar year that you earn it in and the entire next year. So if I earn this pass January of next year, 2024, that means if my child <laughs> were my companion, we could fly every single day next year and all of the year after that, if I earned it in January and she would be free. Well, she would be taxes, which is $5 and 60 cents. 
does that still count if you buy your ticket with points? Like as long yes. as you have a seat on that plane, you get a companion for free. Doesn't matter if you bought it outright or with points. Yes. What? Now, that, now that we've been doing this for a while. So at first it was just me and my husband, right? And so he'd have it for two years and I'd be free anywhere he went. And then we had a kid and then multiple kids. And so we actually both have the Southwest companion passes right now. So all five of us travel for the price of three. And we typically use points to travel. You guys that. have to have a fourth kid. It only makes sense. <laughs> You gotta get that. Buy one, get one. <laughs> this rate. <That's> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh um, my gosh. So, okay. Yeah. So, so it's a game changer. So how you earn it is you need to earn 135,000 points in one calendar year. And you can do that a few ways. You can spend- With Southwest specifically. With Southwest. Okay. Yes. With Southwest. So you can earn that by spending $135,000 on a Southwest card, which we're not going to do. You can earn that by- flying Southwest 50 times in one calendar year, which we're not going to do. Or you can open up two credit cards. So the personal card right now has a 75,000 point signup bonus after you meet the minimum spend. And a business card has an 80,000 point signup bonus after you hit the minimum spend. So if you were to open up both of those. And you have to open both. Mm -hmm. You'd okay. have to open up both. And if you were to hit the minimum spend on both in January, then you would have it for all of 2022. And, no, no. Yeah. All of and 25. Got it. And what's, what's the minimum spend on each of those? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, the personal one just fluctuated, but I think they're both about 3000. So they're not That's crazy. Cool. They're not crazy. One five, I think the business card is 5,000 and the personal is 3000. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. So anybody here, if you, okay, if you live, I don't know, in California and you're opening a short-term rental in Gatlinburg, you're going to spend 8000 easily on furnishing Ooh. that thing. Mm -hmm. Open the two cards. And if that's, I don't know off the top of my head, if there's even a flight, a Southwest flight from LAX to Gatlinburg, but let's just say there is or whatever your location you and your partner could now, if you guys reach that minimum spend, you could now go travel to your place for the price mm -hmm. of one that entire time. And oh, not only are you earning the companion pass, but you also have 135,000 points to book that one person's ticket with. So you don't even have to pay. You don't have to turn in the points to get the pass. Yeah. Okay. Keep the points and get the pass. And how long will that stretch you? Like 135 points. Like how many flights could you book on that for yourself? You know? and then your daughter gets the companion pass? Yeah, good question. I mean, I just flew to Nashville two weekends ago and we got round trip flights for like 10,000 points. Oh, so it'll I mean, stretch. I'm in Austin, so it's not super far, but it's also not close. So, I mean, two people flew for 10,000 points. However, we flew to DC in October and mm -hmm. I think our point, our flights were like 24,000 round trip. So it kind of just depends. But another great thing about Southwest, and I know you probably don't want to hear about Southwest anymore. I, I actually love Southwest. I was a marketing major in college and I did my entire like final marketing project on Southwest marketing. I don't yeah. know why I like actually the love them. Yeah. So no, please hype, hype them up. Let's they, go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The great thing about Southwest is, so say... Natalie, you're going to get the companion pass because you're going to be influenced after this. And you're like, oh, this. you could book both of your flights right now. And then say you earn it, you could go return the one flight and tack on the companion at any time. So even though you don't have it right now, come February or whatever, you can take off your child and add on, add them on as a companion. But not only that, if the price drops, you can very simply, and I know I have lots of posts about this too. So if you don't follow me, it's fine. Just go look for one of those. And I've got a, a Southwest highlight bubble as well. But you can, if your flight that you book drops, whether in points or in cash, you can simply just go onto the app and click change, special spot under your itinerary that says change. And it'll show you how many dollars or how many points you get back. And it'll just you have credit to your you have to watch it back up to ten minutes before the flight. Up if you to ten. To the, if you get to the airport and your price of the flight went down, you can credit your card back. 
can you do this multiple times or is it like you get one shot to credit? Yeah, I think I booked those DC flights I told you about at like an insane amount of points. I think it was 40,000 points. And for each member of my family, I'm like, this is a lot of points, but we want to go. And And you don't even have to call customer service and wait online. You just do it in the app. You just do it on the app. Amber, what the heck? How how are they making money? (laughs) How many luggage? I mean, come on. I mean, too bad. Oh my God. That's amazing. Anyway. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I always try to do just carry on. Oh, God, I hate checking luggage. That is amazing. That is amazing. And then what was that thing? So if you if you end up flying, can you go back to the companion piece of that? If you end up flying where you don't need your companion or you're going solo, you can book their flight for later. Did I get that right? You can you any if you're flying somewhere, your person has to be with you when you're flying. However, you can change your companion up to three times in one. Oh, calendar. you can change the companion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I could fly January through March with my daughter. And then if I want to go on a girl's trip, which is what I just did, I took my daughter off and I threw on my friend and we went on that one trip. And then, so that's my second companion change. And so then if for the rest of the year, I want to fly with my husband as my companion, I would take off my friend and I would put my husband on there for the rest of that year. Three times a year. Yes. And I do want to make note that it's not, it can't be my daughter, my husband, my daughter, my husband, my daughter, my husband. It's three changes, not three people. Oh. But we're not complaining, right? Because we're getting this free person. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Could you end up going back to your daughter being your companion? Because you have it, like if you earn it in January, you'll have it technically for two years. Yeah. So every year you can change it three times. So I can throw my daughter on there again. Or it could be my daughter my husband for a couple's trip, my daughter again, but that would be three changes. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is so cool. Do Okay. So that's the one airline you're like loyal to. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I've never upgraded to first class because first class does not exist on not exist. <laughs> I don't care because I spend $5 and 60 cents on every flight. And to make mention, I think Southwest gets forgotten about because we all think of lots of layovers, which I think they're getting a little bit better about that. And we think it's an American airline which it is but they do we've flown southwest to puerto rico which i realized yeah, is they're international now mm-hmm. aruba we haven't gone to aruba but we've gone to belize we've gone to cancun so there are definitely lots of those caribbean central mm-hmm. american spots that that southwest flies to and hawaii mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lots of oh other airlines like delta i think and it might be alaska too but on their companion passes which you get one they're blackouts for Alaska and Hawaii. I'm going to need to like sit down and do a consultation with you. Can you help me plan my honeymoon? Because yes. we, okay, so we got married February 29th, 2020, and then everything shut down yeah. like nine days later. So we never oh. had our honeymoon, but we got married on leap day. And so it's going to be like oh, our first fun. official anniversary again <laughs> on the this upcoming February in 2024. And we're like, we have to like make up for it and do like our honeymoon. So we want to go to Hawaii. And I think I need to like sit down with you and like plan which credit card to open and how to fly there. No, we should. I'm going to start doing credit card consults too, but we got to make this happen before that happens. So yes, yes, we should absolutely do that. And I know that sometimes this is cumbersome, especially I'm just hearing about it, but I do have a guide for Southwest where I go through like every possible option of ways that you can earn it and timeframes of how frequently you should open the cards and what cards. So I don't know if that's something I can get to you to tag onto this, but it's something yeah. I'm available. Or you can just go to my Instagram, anyone yeah. can go to my Instagram page and just. I know my, my last question for you, actually, I wanted you to rattle off like your favorite credit cards, but the more you talk about it, it seems like they change all the time, which are the beneficial ones to get. So I feel like if people are listening to this in the future, I don't want that to be outdated. So just going to your Instagram and you have a whole highlight and then every week you do updated every Mm -hmm. Wednesday on how to travel Mm -hmm. to a certain destination. Okay. So I think that'll be the best. Okay. So here's my last question for you and just a point I'd love to get some clarity on. When you open a new credit card, are you specifically trying to just get the sign-up bonus? And once you reach that, you're trying to move on to the next credit card. You don't spend on there anymore. You pay it off and it's like it's in your wallet or in your little whatever shoe box that you have. And then that's kind of it. You forget about it. Yeah. Good question. So there are some cards that will open and we will work for the sign-up bonus. And then we'll move on to the next card for multiple reasons. 
Another reason is because we need to meet the minimum spend for the next card. That's probably the biggest reason. Another reason is sometimes the cards with the best offers don't necessarily have the best returns. For instance, I've got a business card right now where I get like five times the office supply stores, which is amazing, but everything else is like one time. Mm -hmm. And I don't really buy that many post-it notes, you know, or gift (laughs) cards, whatever. So I would use that till I get my minimum spend. And then I would just default back. If I'm not working on a, a new, a new card, I would just default back to one of those cards that have better would you try to like remember that one? It's like, okay, this one I know gets great rewards at office supply stores. We need a new printer. I'm going to dig this credit card out and use this one. Like, do you try to keep track of like where those points do make sense? Or is it just like too much to remember at that point? So here's the thing. Do really intense travel hackers do that? Absolutely. And they'll have <laughs> stickers that you can put on each one. Like a little food symbol means use this at a restaurant and a Okay. And I don't do that. I I mean, I have kids and I've got little side gigs going on and I like to take naps on occasion. And so realistically, <laughs> I am not going to maximize every single thing. And I just don't have the mental capacity at this point in my life to do that. However, mm-hmm. are there people that do that? Definitely. I just, I just know generally in my head, and it's probably because I'm spending a lot of time on this in, on Instagram anyway, that there are some places that this card might be better at. And if I happen to have it with me, I would use it. And if not. Got it. You do the best you can. I do the best And I whatever can. points are missed, you're not going to beat yourself up over it. No, and then you're still traveling free. Yes. Okay. There's so many perks that come with it. And then do you guys have a like go-to credit card? Like when you're not, if it's within that 90 day period and you can't open the next one or you don't have a big purchase and it's not just worth justifying opening a new card, do you have like just a go-to one that you try to do your everyday purchases on? Yeah, we probably have two or three of them. So the, and again, this is one of those things I would have you check out the, the best offers because the Chase Sapphire Preferred is probably the all around best card and it's the best beginner travel hacker card for sure. It doesn't have an increased spend right now. So I might not tell you to run out and get it today but if you did you can't go wrong with it on the flip side too so i would default to that one however we are always flying southwest and to get five people anywhere even though we do have two companion passes we still need points and so that's great however chase transfers to southwest so really those are the same except for the sapphire probably has it does have some better rewards and then another one that we just have at all times i'm not necessarily spending on it but we have a Marriott card because every single year we get a, one of the benefits is you get a free night worth oh. 35,000 points, which equals much more than the $95 annual fee. So I would say that probably if I was just going to go back to one card, it would be the Chase Sapphire preferred, but there are some others that are fine. And that just seems like based on everything you explained with the travel portal, like that one is kind of like a hub where you can then like divvy up your points depending on where you plan to go and who you want to fly and where you want to stay okay that makes sense amber this was such a fun episode we didn't end up getting into like airbnb hosting at all (laughs) but i think it's fine there's a hundred other episodes of this podcast if people want to listen to hosting (laughs) but i think it's cool to get a credit card perspective from somebody who is a host and is in this world and has an llc for their business because yeah i think a lot of there's just so many purchases you rack up in such a short amount of time when you open a new listing or if you do have a repair that I think this is like really good info to have on hand how to just leverage that and the one thing that I love that you said is you're not spending more than you would just to get the perks this is natural expenses that come up and you're just being smart about opening a new card just in time or putting them on so I love I love that you shared that so thank you so much for being on here everybody please go follow watch me travel hack and Again, I wanted to wrap up with just a rapid fire of like your favorite cards, but I just don't think that makes sense since it seems like the offers change all the time. So before you go to open a new card, if you do have a big expense coming up, go follow Amber at Watch Me Travel Hack and then go check out her highlights or send her a DM and ask her quick, which one do I open right now because our HVAC just went out. Yeah. I'll get back to you fast. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, Amber. It was great talking to you. You too. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? This one, I already know is going to be controversial, 
I can just tell because this is a Facebook post and the comments were pretty divided. So I don't know exactly where you guys are going to stack up. I'm very, very clear in my position with this one, okay? And this goes back to the age-old debate on whether or not you should ask guests for a five-star review. My opinion, I don't ask for it. I think it's really hard to not come off in an uncomfortable way when you do. If you do want to ask for it, so far, my favorite approach I've ever heard to asking for a five-star review in a classy way has been from episode number 65 with Brindy Bringhurst. She has my favorite approach that we've ever covered on this show about how she asks for it. Very classy, very tasteful. If you're going to do it, do it that way. Do not do what I'm about to read you, okay? And again, some of you might not see the big deal with this. It, it ruffled feathers on the Facebook post, but I know where I stand. Let's read this post, okay? This guest said, am I wrong to be rubbed the wrong way by this? I'm a super host myself, and I just feel like there's a little bit of guilt tripping going on. The stay was okay, murky hot tub water, which they offered to come back and clean. We told them it was fine, and I cleaned the filters. Door battery lock died on us. We got locked out and had to break in. I know things happen, but it seems like those door locks be for days or weeks low battery before they finally die. Their response was, oh shoot, what bad timing for the lock battery to die. And here's the screenshot they attached. At 11.15, they said, before leaving, please put used towels in a pile by the laundry and run the dishwasher with dirty dishes, cups, etc. Dishwashing liquid slash paws are under the sink. After checking out, please help me out with a five-star review. Smiley face. While four stars for a hotel is great, a four-star review on this platform means a guest was dissatisfied. My home could even be delisted if I drop below a 4.7 rating. So unreasonable, right? If there's anything I can improve on, please let me know in the private feedback section and I will take care of it. Thanks again for choosing to stay here. Cringe. Cringe. Do you guys see the cringe or is that just me? Again, the comments were 50-50, so I don't know where, you're, where you guys are going to land on this, but I don't like it. What bugs me specifically is, A, the lie. You do not get delisted at 4.7. And it's so easy for a guest to disprove that. Like, any time that I look at Airbnb, I see listings with, like, a 4.2. So it's just, it's, like, why lie? It immediately just calls in the credibility of the host and why they feel like they need to lie to get their point across. That's so unreasonable, right? No. No. Cringe. Okay, well, four stars for a hotel is great. A four star review on this platform means I guess was dissatisfied. I don't hate that. I that is true. That's factually true, and a lot of people would be shocked to hear that and not be aware that that's how it works. So I think it's fine to educate your guests, but for me, it's it's the lie and the so unreasonable right. I find like that gives me the ick. Gives me major ick. And I want to add that the guest even clarified in the comments that he doesn't have a problem with the host outlining the two check-in instructions, the laundry and the dishes. He said he's fine with that. He just didn't like being asked for a five-star review. And I agree. And if you do go back and listen to episode 65 with Brindy, you'll hear her say that that's something where if there is a bad guest experience, she turns off that auto-reply the one that asked for the five-star review. She turns it off because she knows it's like, you've already kind of messed things up with the guests. Don't twist the knife in deeper and ask for a five-star review. And I think knowing that there was these battery issues and the hot tub murky water, I think that this host should have had the foresight to maybe correct that before sending it out. It just feels very pushy to me knowing that there was some issues with the stay. I'm curious to see where you guys will weigh in. Really, the comments are extremely divided. But I I don't like the guilt tripping aspect of it. You know, I think I would be more okay with something that says, we hope that we delivered a five-star stay. That's always our goal. Like, just leave it at that. We hope we delivered a five-star stay and that we can host you again in the future. Thanks for being such a great guest. Like, that's fine. and just subtly implies the idea of the five stars. But this whole thing about like, you're responsible for if I get delisted or not. The guest is not responsible for if you get delisted or not. You are. If you do not provide a five-star stay, if you are not going above and beyond with your hospitality and you got delisted, that's on you. Don't put that on the guest. All right? It, this to me feels like if you went to a restaurant and got like food poisoning from the restaurant or something and they're just like, please help us out with the five-star review. 
even though you got food poisoning, did you know that restaurants can be shut down if there's a food contamination issue? That's not, that's not my problem. That's yours for giving me poisoned food. Okay, that's how I feel with this. I think there's a very delicate way to go about this, and I don't think that the host achieved that here. Do not guilt trip your guests that they are responsible for whether you get delisted or not. Very inappropriate. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.